What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com slash consulting. IBM. Let's create. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's the groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. This Father's Day, power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. Find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. Guess what, Will? What's that, Mango? So I was looking online and I found this description for a job that's definitely not for us. Professional cat cuddler. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. And first of all, why is that a job? (laughs) So I have no idea. And this posting is from late January this year. And it was put up by a cats-only veterinary clinic in Ireland. But here's a list of some of the questions you'd have to answer to see if this job is right for you. And these are all real. Are you a crazy cat person and love cats? Already, I'm thinking that's a no. (laughs) Does catitude come to you naturally? (laughs) I wouldn't say we have high catitude levels. No. Have you counted kittens before you go to sleep? Do you feed stray cats in your locality? Does petting cats make you warm and fuzzy? I mean, I got to be honest, Mango. I can't say that any of those sound like me. (laughs) So I can't think of a job you're less suited for. And the job basically involves calming down skittish cats and Mr. Miyagi-ing them into a zen-like space so the vets can see them. But one of the biggest criticisms of our show has been that we're not kind enough to cats on the program. You are, of course, scared of them. And I have, let's call it, a healthy respect for them. So I thought it was time for a cat intervention or a cat intervention. <laughs> We're going to increase our empathy of cats and try to understand them a little better and maybe even call out some of their achievements. And perhaps by the end of this all, you and I will be begging for that cat cuddling job. Well, I'm not sure I see that happening, but let's dive in. Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Part-Time Genius. I'm Will Pearson, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend Mangesh Hot Ticketer. And sitting behind that soundproof glass, surrounded by cat-themed music albums, and there are far more of these than I expected from him, but he's got Cat Power, Cat Stevens, I think, Le Tigre, Acoustic Kitty, and I didn't see the album cover for this, but I swear, is that Garfield's smooth jazz I hear playing in the background? <laughs> it is. So Tristan was showing me this earlier. It's all Garfield-inspired music. But my favorite is 
that is where it's at, you know, because、uh, Garfield eats a lot. Right. I Thanks for explaining <laughs> that. Well, that guy has the best taste in novelty albums, and that, of course, is our friend and producer Tristan McNeil. Now, Mango, as you know, we've gotten some criticism about not being cat friendly enough on the show, and I have to be honest. It's a little bit surprising how much we've heard from listeners about this. Yeah, I mean, it was really shocking to me too. And I, I actually love all animals, or at least most furry animals. And you know this, but maybe some listeners don't. There was a long period of my life where I dreamed of becoming a vet. And also, for the record, we had cats on a bunch of covers of Metal Floss. Plus, the first story I wrote on MetalFloss.com was about a cat piano. So I had no idea we came across this anti-cat. <laughs> Right, you wrote about what was it called? The cats and clavier. It was this, you know,、yeah. this musical instrument that I think it was in, it was invented to to cheer up a prince or something. Is that right? Yeah, so it was like a piano, but instead of strings, you just put kittens in a box behind each key, and it was supposed to gently prod the kitten to meow in tune. And there was this、uh, modern version of it that was made with toy cats all tuned to different notes. With this dude playing over the rainbow on them by squeezing them in order. I mean, there's a video of this on YouTube, but、uh, all that meowing isn't exactly music, but it's also not not music either. <laughs> I have definitely seen that video a few times, and it's pretty great. And you know, it is interesting how polarizing cats are. And for the record, I should say I don't hate cats. I just happen to be terrified of cats. When I was growing <laughs> up, I was across the street from Triplet Boys. They had a family cat. And not intentionally, but just by being triplet boys, they tortured this cat, and the cat decided to take out all of its anger on me for some reason and attacked me <laughs> every time I came over there. So I just wanted to put that out there. But it has been really weird as we just make these little jokes about cats on the show. These, I, I guess, we think of them as like throwaway comments. And、uh-huh. then the angry letters that we hear from people about—I <laughs> don't know if I can listen to this show because you guys hate cats. But anyway, this, we, we apparently are not alone in this polarizing world of cats. I actually found this quote by the American writer Carl Van Vechten, and he wrote a book called *Tiger in the House*, which is really all about house cats. And here's how he talks about people's strong feelings about cats. And I actually really like this quote. So he says. One is permitted to assume an attitude of placid indifference in some matters. You know, elephants, cockatoos, H.G. Wells, Sweden, roast beef, puccini, <laughs> even Mormonism. But in the matter of cats, it seems necessary to take a firm stand. The cat himself insists upon this. He invariably inspires strong feelings. He is indeed the only animal who does. Well, it is true that cats definitely inspire strong feelings, and when we've joked on the show about not being cat lovers, people have written in and said,、uh, "You know who also hated cats? Hitler, and <laughs> <laughs> also Napoleon and Mussolini." And I looked this up; it's true. They were cat haters. I, I mean, I'm sure all three of them also hated like broccoli and homework. So it doesn't really mean that much. Like. A lot of people dislike a lot of things, but I was intrigued by the comment, so I looked up other famous cat haters in history, and it's not a good look for us to be perceived this way. So, <laughs> in addition to Napoleon and Mussolini, you've got Genghis Khan, Stalin also hated cats, Caesar, Alexander the Great, Eisenhower for some reason is on the list,、huh. but frankly, I, I'm a little surprised that Pol Pot and Idi Amin aren't on there as well to round out the list. <laughs> Is a lot of terrible people. I mean, aside <laughs> aside from Eisenhower, who we love for building highways and infrastructure, of course. We love infrastructure. Oh, I love infrastructure. But you know, 
<laughs> I think what's worse than the list of horrible people is when cat fans tell you about all the great people who were obsessed with cats. You've got Abe Lincoln, who was notorious for his love of cats, and his wife Mary Todd once said that cats were his only hobby. Also, they've got huh. the Prophet Muhammad, Nikola Tesla, St. Francis of Assisi, Mark Twain, Florence Nightingale, Catherine the Great, Charles Mingus, and all of the Brontes. All the Brontes? Even Branwell Bronte? I checked up on this, Mango. They got Branwell. <laughs> Well, obviously, of those two sample sets, I'd I'd rather be associated with the cat lovers than the cat haters, but <laughs> I was trying to figure out why it is that dictators and world conquerors don't like cats, and here's one theory about it that I found that's popular on cat sites, and it goes like this, quote, It might just be that cat people who have dreams of dominating the world can't get used to the idea that cats won't submit to them. So is the idea that what, like cats are just too independent-minded for dictators or what? Exactly, and truthfully, that's also a big part of what cat people like about cats. Their total independence, right? Like, people are always saying cats have more personality than dogs and that they're less needy and they're, like, a little more badass and rock and roll or something. And, in fact, this is a little off-topic, but one of the cat origin stories I read, and this is an Islamic tale, I believe, is that Noah was on his ark, and during the storm, he became really afraid that the mice on board would eat all the food. Or even worse, that they'd nibble through the floors and create these holes in the ark, kind of just like putting all the other animals in jeopardy. So he prayed for a solution, and God answered his wishes by having a lion sneeze. <laughs> and out of both nostrils, from that sneeze, emerged two cats, which is, I guess, how cats came to be. And I mean, it's kind of a sweet origin story in terms of myths, but I feel like you can interpret the story in two ways, right? Like, cats are either God's gift to humanity, like what adorable little God bless yous they are, <laughs> or Noah needed a ruthless killing machine on his ship and God provided cats. <laughs> I think I might lean toward the latter, but I'm going to be careful. I don't need any more hate mail about this. But I have a different question here, Mango. Like, how useless is every other animal on the Ark? Like, why couldn't any of the owls on board pitch in for this effort? <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, the truth is cats are incredible hunting machines. And I, I read this crazy story in the New York Times from five years ago. And that's when the Smithsonian's Conservation Biology Institute teamed up with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service to do some research on cats. And they wanted to identify how much wildlife these cats were killing every year. So they used cameras and created this new math model. And basically, they were stunned by the results. So listen to this. Between feral and domestic cats, the domestic ones, you know, are the ones that get to roam outdoors while sleeping indoors. Together, they kill about 2.4 billion birds every year. And also, they kill 12.3 billion mammals a year. Wow. And most of those are things like shrews and chipmunks and voles along with mice. I kind of want to know how they came up with that estimate of 12.3 billion mammals. But either way, it's insane and terrifying. So I don't understand, like, why would this make me like cats more? So we've talked about this on the program before, but uh, those mousers are also keeping places like Disney parks and houses and also city streets more free of vermin. And also, I, I read this thing about how there are all these cat islands in Japan that are super popular as tourist destinations, just places where there are all these feral cats. And initially, I was thinking, like, who wants to go to these islands? But one of the arguments I was reading online that I'd actually never thought about was most people can go to a cat island and not be terrified because these small feral cats aren't going to bother you. They just don't care about you. But, you know, if you went to a wild dog island and there were just wild 
packs of, you know, feral dogs there, you'd be terrified. Like, yeah. you'd want to call animal control because roaming packs of wild dogs aren't fun. But, you know, the cats don't have that herd mentality. I mean, that's an interesting point. But to be fair, if you put the word feral in front of any animal, like, I don't want to be near those. And <laughs> I have no desire to hang out with, I don't know, like Australia's feral camel population or any of these <laughs> other animals. But, you know, you started talking about cat origins and, and killer cats. And you were talking about how cat lovers tend to love the animal's independence. And actually, I had a story that I wanted to share just real quick. You know, so while free thinking critters might be great for pet owners, they're not great for filmmakers. I was reading this interview with the Coen brothers about filming inside Lewin Davis, and they were talking about how hard it was to shoot the cat in the movie. So here's a quote from an NPR interview that Ethan Coen did, and he says, The whole exercise of shooting a cat is pretty nightmarish because they don't care about anything. They don't want to do what you want them to do. As the animal trainer said to us, a dog wants to please you. A cat only wants to please itself. It was just this long, painstaking, frustrating day shooting the cat. Which to me is a little refreshing, you know, that cats don't want to be seen as film stars. But, you know, I, I've seen Lewin Davis and I loved it. But how did they get all those shots eventually? Like, I, I'm guessing they didn't use CGI. Well, first of all, they used a lot of cats. And the cat trainer told them specifically to use a marmalade orange tabby because it's easier to get a lot of them on hand. So they had huh. three or four cats ready for each scene. And essentially, they had to find cats that had a predisposition for doing whatever it was that they were looking for. So, you know, like, if you needed a fidgety cat to jump out of someone's hands, you have to find a cat that tends to do that all the time and hates to be held. So you get that type of cat for one angle. But then, you know, if you want them to rub against the table or run down a fire escape, you need to find the cat that wants to do that naturally. And, you know, even then, when they had those cats on hand, the cats rarely did what they wanted. <laughs> the Coen brothers actually compared the experience to having to film a vulture in True Grit. They said the vulture was awful. And they said that was even by vulture standards. <laughs> <laughs> and even though the experience was really frustrating, they'd take filming a vulture scene over a cat scene any day. So that that is ridiculous. And I do love that story. But Here's the thing, and maybe it's something that'll increase our own empathy for cats, but I don't actually think it's a cat's fault that they're so independent. And why is that? Because there's a theory that cats aren't actually domesticated animals. They've never had to be domesticated. But even more than that, the theory goes, these clever, adorable beasts have, over thousands of years, actually domesticated us. But before we talk about that, let's take a little break. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. 
thinking of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Welcome back to Part-Time Genius, and we're talking cats. So, Mango, I know you're going to tell us about cats and domestication, but before we talk about a cat in the household, let's talk about cats breaking up households and, you know, that totally unfair reputation they got for causing divorces in America. So I obviously know people are attached to their animals, but I'd never heard about this trend. So what's the scoop? Well, this comes from Natalie Zarelli at Atlas Obscura, and she reports that once the Married Women's Property Act took hold in America, there was actually an uptick in the number of divorces. And essentially, unhappy couples weren't doomed to stay together, but you still had to have someone at fault, and it had to be irreconcilable. So a big strategy from the 1910s going forward were couples that they just started blaming their cats. That's pretty crazy. I'd never heard of that. You know... I actually remember one of our friends from college had a grandmother who got divorced, and he told me that the couple staged her walking in on him with another woman, and it was purely so that they had a traumatic story to tell the New York courts. (laughs) But, you know, just blaming a cat would have been so much easier. Yeah, I would say that would have been a lot easier. (laughs) There's actually a story from this piece in 1903 where a man told the judge this horror story. He says, A cat met him at every turn with an angry pss and a chorus of blood-curdling meows. Apparently, he'd find cats in his bedsheets, and when he tried to escape them, he was too scared to leave the bed, you know, lest he should expose his bare feet to the claws of numerous pussies and provoke a melody that would ring in his ears for the rest of the day. (laughs) So that feels so dramatic. (laughs) Well, he really had to sell it to the judge. And, you know, if the judge asked why the husband didn't just get rid of the cats, Often there'd be some story about his wife being involved in like the ASPCA, which I guess felt virtuous or something. So, I mean, there were lots of these stories. Oh, there's tons of these stories. There's actually also a Civil War veteran who claims he could never sit in his easy chair because a cat was always there hissing at him. There was another, (laughs) there was a wife that said she didn't mind her husband's profanity, but it was too much when he heaved the family cat at her. And... (laughs) Looking at that case, apparently she wanted $1,200 for the humiliation of being beaned by the family cat. It's just <laughs> unbelievable. There was also another dude who was upset that his wife kept 50 cats around the house and gave them more attention than him. Well, I mean, 50 cats would need a lot of attention. Well, in court, she testified that she only had 15 cats. But, you know, since her husband didn't come <laughs> home most nights, they were both interested in splitting up. And You know, most of these stories were either made up or just greatly exaggerated. So how long did this uh, cat blaming go on for? According to the article, cats were scapegoats for really about a century. And it wasn't until 1969 when no-fault divorce laws started becoming adopted by states that suddenly all the cat blaming disappeared from the newspaper stories. Which is pretty insane. And, uh, you know, you feel sorry for the cats. 
I know it's it's true. I, I it's weird to say that, but I actually do feel a little sorry for them. But anyway, you were going to talk a little bit about this idea that cats aren't really domesticated. Yeah. So you know, aside from that lion sneezing theory about cats, researchers have actually found cat bones near human bones for a while. There's a New Yorker piece on this, but in China, by analyzing the bones and teeth of cat skeletons from about 5,000 years ago, scientists can actually show that cats were eating rodents and grains as well as leftovers from human meals, and Basically, cats were opportunistic, right? Like, they realized that rodents were plentiful around these farmers' stores of grain, so they ingratiated themselves, and people were opportunistic. They they realized that cats would kill off the disease-carrying vermin for them, and it was relatively little investment. Like, they didn't actually have to train the cats. All they had to do was give them some shelter and, like, a little extra food to eat, and then just lean on their natural instincts. It was totally symbiotic. But... You know, cats were never bred for traits the way dogs or cattle were. Like, you know, you look at a dachshund and you see how that dog was bred to go after badgers, right? It it was supposed to chase badgers down badger holes. And it's fearless, but it's also shaped for that with that sort of long noodle-like shape. And, uh, you know, cat breeding is a relatively recent phenomenon by comparison. So, I mean, are there ways to prove out this theory that cats are only semi-domesticated? Yeah, there definitely are. So there's this geneticist at Washington University in St. Louis named Wesley Warren. And apparently he and his colleagues looked at DNA from wild cats and breeds of domestic cats. And this is from The New Yorker again. The research showed that genetically, cats have actually diverged far less from their wild cat ancestors than dogs have from wolves. You know, you can kind of see this in the wild, right? Like house cats are better hunters than dogs. They can uh, they can also fend for themselves in the wild. And according to the piece, feral cats have even routinely bred with their wild cat cousins. And according to Warren, quote, it's not the true differentiation you see between wolf and dog. By comparison, his belief is that the modern cat isn't fully domesticated. That is pretty interesting. And to be honest, it kind of explains why I don't fully trust them. And I do still almost feel sorry for them, though. Well, you shouldn't feel too sorry for them because some people like to joke that these wildcats have actually domesticated us. And, you know, they've obviously stayed aloof while we keep giving them shelter and putting scratching posts in our houses and allow them to go to the bathroom indoors. But the biggest argument for them having trained us is that they've conditioned humans to feed them on demand with something called solicitation purring. So this comes from the journal Current Biology, but... Scientist Karen McComb from the University of Sussex analyzed the acoustic structure of cat purrs, and she actually realized that cats dramatically exaggerate their purrs, all to elicit this emotional response from humans. Apparently, it's the same frequency that babies cry at, and it isn't all cats that do this. It's just cats that have one-on-one relationships with humans. That is pretty manipulative. I mean, it's impressive, but it's pretty manipulative. Yeah, I mean, they've got us on a tight leash. And also they have a behavior where they rub up against our legs as, you know, we pull a can out to get their food. And that's supposedly rewarding us for being good to them. But there's one more thing that people cite as felines' clever control over humans, and that's that we actually taste test their food for them. You know, I know we talked about humans taste testing dog food before, but I can't remember. Like, why do they do that again? So this comes from a Brock University study from Canada, but... Basically, the pet food industry has noticed over the years that cats are fussy eaters and they are, quote, unreliable and expensive test subjects in the pursuit of more appealing cat food flavors. And the study basically showed that human taste panels are, you know, a much more cost effective way to test canned cat food. Apparently, the paper lists a methodology for human testers to, uh, quote, 
profile the flavor and texture of a range of cat food products, including evaluating meat chunk and gravy to gel constituents. Oh, gross. <laughs> I know. So, you know, if we're going to keep keeping our feline masters happy, more people are going to have to get into the cat food tasting business. Well, I definitely have come away with some understanding of why cats act the way they do and and maybe even a little admiration for how they manipulate us. But why don't we talk about how cats became so popular in the first place? Let's take a quick break first. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Diamonds Direct has done it again. This month only, get ready for an offer you can't resist. Buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. That's right, a stunning diamond tennis bracelet at no extra cost. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. So hurry into Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet will not last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Welcome back to Part-Time Genius, where we're talking cats. All right, Mango, so obviously we know that the Internet has done a lot for cat appreciation. And, you know, you had Grumpy Cat and Little Bub ruling the Internet for a while. And all that I can has cheeseburger memes being such a big thing for a while. Mm-hmm. But but actually, looking back, Time Magazine kind of predicted this trend way back in 1981, right? That's right. And you and I found an old Time Magazine cover story from 1981 that declared that cats were the hot new thing. But, uh... I'd almost argue that the thing that truly brought cats to the level of popularity and endearment they're at now isn't the Internet or Morris or even Garfield Comics. Which are some of the things that are in this Time article, and I do think we should talk about them. Definitely, but one of the things I saw that writer Paul Ford points to is the rise of kitty litter, which is actually a relatively recent invention. I I didn't realize this. It only came about in 1947. So what, what were people doing before then? So I had the same question, and basically they had sandboxes outside, or they'd let their cats go in the yard. Anyway, the story's pretty interesting, and Ford wrote this up for Medium, but basically this woman's sandbox for her cat was frozen, so she came to buy some sawdust from a local mill in Michigan, and the guy's name was Ed Lowe. He'd been working for his dad's mill at the time, and when she described what she wanted for her cat, he gave her an alternative. He had this kiln-dried, granulated clay that they just started using for grease spills at the mill. And when she came back for more, 
He started labeling it kitty litter and tried marketing it. But what's amazing is what a business it became. So according to his obit in the New York Times, he sold the product to Ralston Purina for $200 million. And listen to this. He owned 22 homes, a private railroad, a stable of quarter houses, and an entire Michigan town. Isn't that wow, incredible? That is crazy. So, so basically, kitty litter changed how we interacted with cats. Yeah, so like all cats were indoor-outdoor cats until the advent of kitty litter. And then slowly, more and more cats became housebound. But it's also starting to think about how much kitty litter we use. So according to Ford's research, about 20 companies strip mine about 4 billion pounds of the necessary clay each year. 4 billion pounds! And, And by comparison, Ford cites the Great Pyramid of Giza only weighs 13 billion pounds. (laughs) I like that that's the comparison to you. So, all right, so then you're saying with three or four years of work, you could actually build this impressive pyramid of kitty litter then, <laughs> which is amazing. But all right, well, let's talk about this Time article that, because it, it is pretty fun. Well, I'm for it. So this piece basically argued that the 1980s were this time that really primed the world to love cats, right? Yeah, and here are just a few of the indicators they show that cats were on the rise. So the the point you made earlier, these cat litter boxes in the 80s were now odor-proof and kick-proof, and that made keeping a box where your cat poops in the house far more appealing than it previously was. Mm-hmm. Now, there were also three different Garfield books on the bestseller list, which means cat humor had truly arrived. I'm not sure <laughs> what it says about the taste of people in the 1980s that three of them were on the bestseller list. And in California, suddenly there were cat everythings. You could find a cat resort, a cat department store, a cat rest home, a rent a cat agency, a cat <laughs> dating service. I have no idea what that is, but it was one of the things. Cat psychics, cat acting coaches, and of course, a special annual contest to judge cats meows. And then at that time, you had Morris the cat, who was officially declared a celebrity cat, you know, essentially sure. the, the feline Burt Reynolds, if you will. And then as the story reported, cats were quickly gaining on dogs. According to the article, 34 million cats had worked their way into homes, which was a 55% increase over the last decade. Now, if you look at those numbers now, some reports have cats at closer to 95 million cats in homes, you know, plus the 30 or 40 million feral community cats that, you know, they're the ones that keep rodents at bay. Yeah, and I, I guess for all the jokes about this cat trend, like, cats have really grown on us as a culture, and... While you and I might not be cat people yet, I do think we have to grudgingly admit that they're pretty amazing creatures. I mean, I'm not sure I'm there just yet, but maybe after a few amazing facts. So let's start the fact off. Do you know that jazz musician Charles Mingus trained his cat Nightlife to go on the toilet? (laughs) In fact, he even wrote a step-by-step manual called the Charles Mingus Catalog for toilet training your cat. Well, there is at least one thing you cannot train a cat to do, and that's hold a candle for you. According to the folks at QI, Dante desperately tried teaching his cat to hold a candle for him so he could write at night, but to no avail. <laughs> I mean, stupid Dante. Like, why wouldn't you just get a candle holder? It doesn't make <laughs> it any never sense. never occurred to him for some reason. <laughs> So, you know, I I know people always talk about cats' incredible ability to land on their feet, but did you know that cats can survive falls from 60 feet? Now, uh, obviously, this isn't a suggestion for listeners to go test this out on their cat. Far from it. But uh, in a 1987 study on cats that had fallen from tall buildings, apparently 90% of them survived, though they did have injuries. And this comes from our old pal Bill Domain, but the study found that cats that fell from heights of 7 to 32 stories 
were less likely to die than those that fell from two to six stories. Which makes no sense. So do scientists know why this is? So uh, there's actually a lot of theories and, and there's been a lot of research into it. And part of it might be that because cats' bodies act as a bit of a parachute. And part of it might be that cats relax once they've fallen a certain distance. And you know, the reason babies and stuntmen often survive accidents is that they bounce because they don't tense up their muscles. I mean, I always love that buttered cat paradox, you know, because cats always land on their feet and butter bread always lands face down. So like if you tie a piece of buttered bread to a cat's back and then drop it, will the cat just like hover above the floor? <laughs> I love that. So here's a quick one about cats making the world a better place. So in 2007, the New York Times reported that Thailand was shaming wayward cops. You know, these were the officers who were littering or parking in the wrong place or even showing little abuses of power. And they did this with an unusual method. They started making them wear pink Hello Kitty armbands. <laughs> and as the police chief told the Times, after the policy came out, police were scared. It will be very embarrassing to walk around with Hello Kitty on your arm. What's strange, though, is that this is actually the second variation on this armband technique. So there was a previous iteration where they gave bad cops uh, plaid armbands. But unfortunately, the they were seen as like uh, gestures of pride or something. And they started taking them home and treating them like medals. Hmm. All right. Well, here's a strange bit of science. According to new scientists, cats don't understand the cause and effect of tugging on a string. You'll have to explain. What do you mean by this? Well, there was a study at Canterbury Christ Church University in the UK, and there was a team of researchers. And what they did was they attached fish or biscuit treats to the end of one string. And then they put another string with no treat attached. And according to the researchers, the cats couldn't see the cause and effect. The story states, Chimps, parrots, ravens, they all understand that tugging on one end of a string will bring a treat closer. But cats don't. And they aren't alone. So pigeons and human infants also don't pick up on this. And for the record, neither do dogs. So speaking of cats and dogs, did you know that if your dog is overweight, there's actually a good chance you'll be overweight too? <laughs> and in 2010, the journal Public Health Nutrition published a study from Amsterdam that showed that there's a significant relationship between overweight dogs and the BMI of their owners. But if your cat is overweight, it's not a good predictor of whether you'll be overweight. It's because you and your cat are just, you know, on your own paths, living your best lives. <laughs> is that what it is? Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, here's a strange one. So Japan is obsessed with cats, right? And that's that's no surprise. Obviously, it's the land of waving porcelain cats that sit in stores and responsible for Hello Kitty. And I think it's where cat cafes started. But, but now also they have cat bars and cat cafe train cars. So they are definitely cat obsessed. There's even a hand lotion that's now cat paw scented. So your hands can smell more like the bottom of your cat's feet. What? I don't know why people want this, but it is available now. But you know how cats make biscuits in the morning, right? Yeah, that's when they kind of like wake you up and gently knead on owner's chest in the morning for attention. So the craziest story I read is that there's a spa in Japan where they offer these cat treatments as back massages. You can actually pay to have a cat knead your back. It was really <laughs> hard for me to even just say that statement. That is so terrifying. I mean, it, it's both amazing and terrifying to me. So did you know that cats aren't actually the only creatures that get hairballs? Cows and rabbits get them too. Oh, that's weird. All right, so here's one about Mark Twain, the notorious cat lover, as we mentioned earlier. Now, one thing he truly enjoyed was giving his cat strange names. So here are a few of them. He had Apollinaris, Beezlebub, Blatherskite, Buffalo Bill, Satan, Sour Mash, Soapy Sal, Pestilence, and Bambino. 
And actually, I have one more fact about Twain. Apparently, Bambino escaped one day, and Twain was so worried that he did what any cat lover would do, and he put an ad in the New York newspapers and offered a $5 reward for this. It was a large and intensely black cat. Now, Bambino showed up on his own in a few days, but putting an ad in the paper was a huge mistake. Years later, people were still using it as an excuse to try to meet Mark Twain. They would just show up at his door with like random cats that they claimed were definitely Bambino. (laughs) Well, you know, I I thought I had you with my Hello Kitty fact, but I I think you bested me with that Mark Twain one, too. So I'm actually going to give you the cat fact trophy today. Wow, it is truly an honor. And listeners, I hope you've enjoyed today's list of facts about cats. If we have forgotten any great fact Please send those to us. We'd love to hear from you. Part-time genius at HowStuffWorks.com. You can also call our fact hotline 1-844-PT-GENIUS or hit us up on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, I hope we have redeemed ourselves a little bit with all the cat lovers out there with today's episode. (laughs) I have a bit more respect for cats now, but thank you guys for listening. Thanks again for listening. Part-Time Genius is a production of How Stuff Works and wouldn't be possible without several brilliant people who do the important things we couldn't even begin to understand. Tristan McNeil does the editing thing. Noel Brown made the theme song and does the mixy-mixy sound thing. (laughs) Jerry Rowland does the exec producer thing. Gabe Luzier is our lead researcher with support from the research army, including Austin Thompson, Nolan Brown, and Lucas Adams. And Eves Jeffcoat gets the show to your ears. Good job, Eves. If you like what you heard, we hope you'll subscribe. And if you really, really like what you've heard, maybe you could leave a good review for us. Do we, do we forget Jason? Jason who? This month only, get ready for an offer you can't resist. Buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. That's right, a stunning diamond tennis bracelet at no extra cost. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. So hurry into Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet will not last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings.